This podcast is a presentation of Nags Head Church. Stay tuned and find us online at nagsheadchurch.com and on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Nags Head Church. For our guests, thank you for coming and being with us this morning, and, uh, and we're always glad to have you. Our parking lot is slammed full. And it looks like July 4th out there, and uh, but we're glad to have you with us. We're in the middle of a, almost the middle of a, I guess it is the middle. Today's the third Sunday in our 40 Days in the Word, six Sunday series that we're doing. So thanks for coming. I hope you'll follow along uh, in the Word uh, this morning as we go through it. Have you ever thought something like this? I just never get anything out of the Bible. When I read it, You know, I try and I pick it up and I try to read it and be honest with you, it's just flat out boring. I don't get anything from it. It seems dry. I don't understand it. It doesn't make sense. And I really, honestly, I don't know what the big deal is about it because to me it seems like a closed book. I wonder if you ever thought things like that. If you've ever felt that way, by the way, let me say, I'm glad you're here because you picked the perfect Sunday uh, to come to church today because I'm going to explain this morning why the Bible, if that's your thoughts, and you, you don't have to tell me that it is, but if those are your thoughts, I want to explain to you why the Bible is a closed book to you and how God wants to open it up to you and how you can start seeing what God wants you to see. Seeing things in the Bible and beginning to understand them is what is there's a term we're going to talk about today, and the term is illumination. Illumination. Let's right now. I want, we're going to turn all the lights off in the house. So I just ask you to turn them up now. Turn them all back down. Let's get all the lights off everywhere. We want it dark in here. And uh, now I want you as the lights go. Ooh, oh wow, that's that's all right. Somebody's got their phone on. All right now. Um, Look around, and how many people can you see across the room and make out their faces and see what's going on and, and, and know where they are? i got to be careful. Well, I don't want to step off the stage here. Uh, but what can you see? Somebody tell me. You can see clearly what? Not much at all. You know, maybe the hand in front of your face. Now, let's pull the lights back up. And, uh, and I want you to notice the difference. Now, as the lights come up and they get brighter and brighter in here, and you'll look around... You can see lots of details, can't you? You can look into the person next to you and see, oh yeah, there is somebody next to me. And across the room, you can see folks as well. So, and here's the point. You say, what, what are you trying to say to us? Um, when can you see the most detail? And the answer is when the light is the brightest. The point is the brighter the bulb, the better we can see. Is that true? Yeah, you know, don't you get frustrated when you when you have to go and replace a bulb and, and we have in our kitchen we've got a um, uh, a lamp fan thing up there you know it's both a, a lamp and a light and a fan and they make those things so you can't put a bright light on them and, and my wife loves to have a bright kitchen she wants to be able to see in the kitchen and so she'll say oh the lights burn out in the kitchen go get a new one so i'll run over to one of our our great stores and and uh, go into the appliance bulb section you know and, and or light section like that and and, you know, 40 watts is about the max they want you to have. You know, and you can't see anything with that. And because you want to see uh, more things. When the light's the brightest, the bulb is the brightest, you can see more. And brightness increases clarity. And, and the, so the more light, the more you can see. Well, that's true when it comes to the Bible as well, the Word of God. The more the Word of God enlightens your mind, the more illuminated your mind, the more you're going to get out of God's Word. So what is illumination? Let me give you a simple definition this morning. Illumination is letting the Holy Spirit 
Show me the meaning of God's word and how it applies to my life. Now, before Jesus went back to heaven, before he ascended back to heaven in Acts chapter 1, he said some things like this. He said, I'm going to go, go back to heaven after my resurrection. But when I go, and he said all this in John 14, when I go, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to come in my place, and he's going to live with you, and he's going to live in you. And the Bible tells us that one of the things the Holy Spirit does today in this period of time, is he illuminates the Bible to us. He helps you and me see things in the Bible that, frankly, otherwise we would not see. They're not things that are not there. We're not making things up. He wants to know what, it, what is in there and what it says. And, and without the Holy Spirit, without him illuminating this book to us, we would totally miss it. There would be no reason for us to be here. I would not have anything worthwhile to say at all. It's kind of like at Christmas uh, you know, you parents and grandparents, you buy your kids, your grandkids, all these gifts, and you go to the store and you buy them. And a lot of the boxes will say these words that every parent, grandparent dreads. Batteries not included. And if you miss that warning, if you miss that instruction, and you're, you're up to all hours of the night on Christmas Eve putting these things together, and you get it all put together, and you say, oh, no. It needs batteries, and they're not in the box. And man, even 7-Eleven's closed at 10 o'clock on Christmas Eve. You know what I mean? You can't go anywhere and find. So you go and you steal batteries from different, you know, from your remote controls, from your pacemaker, from all kinds of things. You know, you're wherever I can find the Energizer Rabbit, that's where I'm going to go. Batteries not included. A toy with a battery not included is still a toy, is it not? but it doesn't have its full potential. You've got to have the power to make that little toy run. God says, not only have I given you my revelation, not only have I given you my revealed word, I've given you the power to interpret it, to understand it, and to see things there that you've never seen before. And the power to understand that power, to understand it, is the Holy Spirit who, Christian, indwells you. Illumination is the Holy Spirit's job. John 14, 26, Jesus said, The Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I have said to you. In verse 17, he said, He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. It's the Holy Spirit who leads you to understand what the truth is in the Word of God. John 16, 15, in that same section of Scripture, as he's talking to his disciples after the Last Supper, before he goes to pray when he'll be arrested, he says, the Spirit will take from what is mine, meaning the words that I've said to you. He'll take from what is mine and make it known to you. That's the illumination of the revelation, it's God's Spirit saying, this is what it means as you read it and as you study it and meditate on it that makes it known to you. The Apostle Paul understood this in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 7. He wrote to the Ephesian church, I ask the glorious Father and God of our Lord Jesus Christ to give you His Spirit. The Spirit will make you wise. Now, where do we get wisdom? Well, one of the sources of wisdom is from this book. The Spirit will make you wise and let you understand. Circle those words, let you understand in your notes because that is the illumination. Let you understand what it means to know God. The let you understand is the batteries included part of being a Christian. The Holy Spirit 
is the power behind illumination. Here's what that means. This book, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago as we began. This book is a a supernatural book. It is God's inspired, God-breathed word. Now, here's what's different from this book from just about any other book that you have ever read. All right? And that is this. As you and I are reading this book throughout the week, whenever we have our quiet time, whenever we're studying the Word of God, when we are reading this book, we have this great opportunity and privilege. As I read it, I can talk to the author. As I read it, the one who inspired these men to write these words is listening to me, and I can say, okay, God, help me out with this passage right here. Uh, God, help me understand what this means. Holy Spirit, explain this to me. How can I live what it says? How do I do this today? I can ask him questions. Well, Rick, does he talk back to you? Well, he doesn't talk back to us in an audible voice. Audible meaning that I hear with my physical ears. You're hopefully hearing my voice right now. It's audible to you. He doesn't speak to us in an audible voice, but what he does is he illuminates us, he enlightens us, and the light goes on. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 18 and 19 explain it this way. Paul writes, he says, I pray also that the, get this now, circle this phrase, the eyes of your heart. You ever think about your heart having eyes? I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. Why? In order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. Where do we get those things? They, we get them from the word of God. But he says, I want your, the eyes of your heart to be enlightened. Notice that phrase. What is that about? Eyes of your heart means your spiritual eyes. When you were born into this world, your mother gave birth to you, you were born, hopefully, with a, a, a set to physical eyes that I see with. Everybody who has those and that they work, they can see, look around and see right now with those eyes. Spiritual eyes, or as Paul said, the eyes of your heart come to us at our second birth, our new birth, when you personally trust in Christ as your Savior. They don't, you're not trusting in the church. You're not trusting in obeying rules. You're trusting in Christ and Him alone. And at that moment in time, for me, it was July 31st, 1966, when I was a 10-year-old boy. I said, Jesus Christ, I accept you as my Savior. God then at that moment gave me spiritual eyes to begin to see and understand his word. What it means is when you're reading the Bible, and this has happened to me, and I bet it's happened to those of you who are Christians at some time, and maybe it's a regular, I hope, a regular thing that happens to you. You're reading the Bible, and all of a sudden the light bulb comes on in your mind, and you think, you know what, I've read this before. I've heard Rick teach this before. I've thought about it, and I've never got this from the Word of God before. I never quite understood that. It's kind of like we have that aha moment when the light comes on. And we think, God, that's exactly what I needed today. That's exactly what I need right now to encourage me, to help me know which way to go. That's illumination. For many of you, perhaps in this room, that has never happened in your life as you've read the Bible. You're the ones at the very beginning who said, I'll be honest with you, I try to read it and I can't get anything out of it. And maybe you've tried to read the Bible and you just gave up because it didn't make any sense at all to you. And some of you say, well, every now and then on a rare occasion, it happens to me, but it's very infrequently once in a while. So Rick, this morning, how do I get the Bible to come alive in my life? 
I'm going to give you today five things to get your eyes open. Five things that, that apply to anybody in this room. To get your eyes open, to cooperate with the Holy Spirit so he can illuminate and enlighten your mind. Here's the first one. Most important, foundational. It starts here. Number one, I must begin a relationship with Jesus Christ. I must begin a relationship with Jesus Christ. Now, I'm just going to tell you what the Bible says. This is not my opinion, all right? But until you have a relationship, personal relationship with Jesus Christ, the Bible says you are spiritually blind and you have no hope of seeing anything from God's point of view. So what you have to do is you've got to get, if I can describe it this way, the connection with God. And the connection with God is Jesus Christ. Now, to illustrate that, I'm going to do something that everybody in this room understands. You've all seen something. You've all done this before. But I brought in here this morning, I brought a lamp that sits on my, on my office desk and set it up here. And the lamp has a cord and it has a switch. And this cord, in order for this lamp to work, it has to be connected to a power source. Does it not? Everybody nod at me. You understand that. All right. We're not cavemen. We get this. All right. It has to do that. Right now, it's not connected. And somewhere up here is a, uh, let me get to it. There's a switch. And um, where did it go? And uh, I can turn that switch on. You You can hear me clicking it, can't you? Nothing's happening. And it's not happening, Rick, because the cord is not connected. It's not plugged in, but I happen to have been prepared this morning. And there's a yellow cord up here that represents the Holy Spirit, represents the Lord Jesus Christ, represents God Almighty, the Trinity. And, and this is one of those fancy power cords that at the end of it, it has a little light. Some of you can see that little light at the, at the end of it. That light comes on when it's hot. That light says, don't stick your tongue in there, dummy. You know, don't do something like that. The light means it's on. Now, I will take this cord to the lamp that's going to produce light, and I'm going to plug it in to the power. All right? I didn't even have to turn on the switch because it was already turned on. But I plug it in. Does everybody get that? That's Jesus Christ in you. All right? You will not understand the Word of God. You cannot have this illumination until first you're connected in a relationship with Jesus got to be born again, Jesus said. You have to be saved. You have to accept his salvation. This is not something you do on your own, right? I can take that plug, that lamp, and go anywhere I want to and try to stick it anywhere I'd like to try to place a pl- find a place, stick it in my ear. It won't do a thing, all right? It does not work until it's connected to the power source. Until you begin this relationship with Jesus Christ, you're blind. You have no spiritual eyes. You don't have eyes in your heart, and you can only see from a human viewpoint. The Bible says this in 2 Corinthians 14. Let's read this. I want you to read this with me aloud. All right, will you do that? The man without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, and he cannot understand them because they're spiritually discerned. The man without the Spirit, in other words, the Holy Spirit, does not live in you. Who does the Holy Spirit not live in? He does not live in those who don't have this connection through Jesus Christ. But the moment I have this connection with Christ, the Bible tells me immediately at that moment, the Holy Spirit comes to live inside me. Without the Spirit, I can't understand the Bible. It makes no sense. 
That's why it's nonsense, Christian. Let me talk to the Christians in the room. Because we all do this. I do this. I catch myself doing this more often than I'm, than I'm out to say. But it's nonsense for, for us to expect unbelievers to act like believers until they are. They, they, they're blind spiritually. You can make all the laws in the world, make all the rules and try to get people to act and do the right thing, but they're not going to do it because it just doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. My eyes are blinded until I have the connection with God. 2 Corinthians 4.4 says, The devil who rules this world has blinded the minds of those who do not believe. They cannot see the light of the good news. Now, it doesn't mean, don't take that verse and say, and misinterpret that verse without any illumination to say, aha, what it says is unbelievers are of the devil. That's not what it said. It says the devil has blinded their eyes, the minds. So they cannot understand the light of the word. They're not in cahoots with the devil. He just simply doesn't want any of us to connect with God and his word. None of us, he says, saw the light of the gospel until we stepped across the line. And when we did that by putting our faith in Jesus, it was like, boom, the light came on and the blinders came off. That's why Jesus and and the Apostle Paul, though, is a great example of that when he had his experience on the Damascus Road, isn't he? He said it was like the scales fell off my eyes and I could see. That's why Jesus said in John 3, 3, he said, I tell you the truth. No one can see the kingdom of God until he's born again. Can't do it. Now, let me say to you, if you have not, and you may be here this morning, so well, isn't everybody here a believer in Jesus? Hasn't everybody, and you would think in church, everybody would have a connection with Jesus. And the answer to that is, well, I don't think so. I went to church my whole life, every Sunday, pretty much, the first 10 years of my life, and had no connection with Jesus. And maybe you've been going to church your whole life and have not ever had that personal experience of relationship with him through a new birth. If you haven't had that, we're going to talk about that at the end of the service today. So please, please, please hang on. Number two, I have to ask God in faith to open my eyes. I have to ask him in faith to open my eyes. Now, you've already established, let's say, a relationship with Jesus Christ. I know that I'm a Christian. I know I've been born again. I know Jesus is my Savior. I have to ask God in faith. Um, there's a prayer. Asking God is praying. There's a prayer that we memorized this last week. Can you say it with me? Will you say last week's memory verse with me? Ready? Psalm 119, 18. Some of you did it real fast, and some of you said, here's what I'm going to do. The person next to me knows it, and I'm not really sure. So I'm going to say, what what he said, what he said. Yeah, I'm following. Open my eyes. We memorize that verse. If you're our guest today, don't think we're crazy. We're memorizing Scripture through the series. Open my eyes that, say it with me. Open my eyes that I may see wonderful things in your law. Open my eyes. I want to see these things from your word. That's a great prayer, by the way. For every day when you open your Bible, you get up and you read your Bible and and you're doing your devotions or you're studying the Word of God, before you ever open it up, you ought to be saying, God, help me today see what's in here. Help me to be illumined. Help me to get it. Uh, Lord, before I even read this, I want to see the wonderful things in your Word. And here's the point. This book is filled with wonderful things, is it not? But you don't see them and you can't see them Uh, Some of you, but if you don't see them, hear me now, if you don't see them, it's not the Bible's fault. 
right? If you don't see them, don't blame the Bible. It's not the Bible's fault. It's either because you're blind, because you haven't yet been born again, or you're a Christian, but your eyes are closed. Oh, oh, the video at the beginning with the three stooges. Now I get it. I can't see. I can't see. Why not? Because my eyes are closed. Get it now? Oh, what a spiritual video. That sounds great, man. Those guys didn't know 80 years ago that they were going to be doing this this morning. You can't see the wonderful, wonder-filled things until your eyes have been opened. So if your eyes are not opened, what that means is I can read the Bible, I just don't get it. It just seems dull. I, I, it's not... It's because you're not seeing with spiritual eyes. It takes more than revelation. It takes illumination. When you ask God, open my eyes that I may see wonderful things in your law, you have to ask in faith. James, for example, in chapter 1, verse 5 says, James, James says, if any one of you lacks wisdom, and I, we get wisdom from the Bible. I have, my Bible here is, happens to be open to the book of Proverbs, which is a book full of wisdom. If any of you lacks wisdom, James writes, he should ask God who gives wisdom generously to all without finding fault. It will be given to him if he asks, but he says when he asks, he must believe. And believing is faith. He must ask without doubt. You see, when I pray this prayer, God, open my eyes that I may see wonderful things in your law. I'm asking in faith. Well, as we learned this past summer in our study in Hebrews chapter 11, our faith is in God's promises. It's not faith in faith. It's not it's faith in specific things that God's word has said. Faith in his promise. And what is God's promise regarding this? Well, for example, Psalm 32, 8, God says, I will instruct you. Here's a promise. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you and watch over you. That's a good promise from God, isn't it? God, I want to understand your word. I've got to ask in faith for God to open my eyes. Number three, I come with a humble attitude. <clears throat> humble attitude. We have so many voices giving us advice and opinion today, don't we? And so much of that is purely secular. You know what that means, secular? And it simply means God isn't part of that worldview. And listening to all those voices, it becomes very easy for us to say, for me to say, and you to say, you know what, I got it all figured out. I've talked to my buddies at work, and they, they told me, here's what I need to do regarding this. And they don't even know God, perhaps. But they've given me this advice. This, they said, well, Rick, if, I, if it was me, this is what I would do. And I've talked to my buddies, and I've got it all figured out. I really don't need God's help on this marriage issue. I really don't need God's help with this financial issue. And all that is, when you and I say, I've got it all, God, I got it. I got it covered. Got this one, God. You don't need to, I don't need to get anything from you right now. Figured this one. That's just pride. And pride is the polar opposite of humility, of being humble. And you're not going to get anything from scriptures because you've closed your eyes to the word of God. You got to come with a humble attitude that says this. Listen. Your attitude, humility says this, God, it's your truth that matters. It's your truth that matters. And his truth is, as we saw here recently, his truth is eternal truth. Psalm 25, 9 says he guides the humble in what is right and teaches them 
his way. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, some of you have memorized this passage. Trust in the Lord with how much of your heart? All your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In how much of your ways? All of your ways. Acknowledge him and he'll make your path straight. He'll point you to the path of success in your life. Number four, I cleanse my heart of sin and conflict. Here's an important one. I cleanse my heart of sin and conflict. I cannot get my eyes open if my body and mind is full of junk. Can't do that. If my, I don't know what's going on with me physically right now. Something new is happening in, in my body as I age. None of you understand what I'm talking about here. You know. but, but lately, when I get really, really tired, and if I, if I take a nap, for, for example or I begin to doze off sitting in my chair watching baseball or something or show on TV late at night, I'm watching and, and I begin to drift off. I've noticed this. I'm not asking if anybody else has happened. This happens to you, but it's happening to me. My right eye, it's like my right eye, my left eye will open up. My right eye is kind of like, I ain't there yet. And it stays kind of three quarters of the way closed. And, and last night, literally, it did that, you know, and I was kind of looking and thinking, and so I went, and it was good, you know. I don't know what that means. Well, I do know what it means. I'm getting old. But, you know, I can't see if my eyes are closed. Is that right? Cannot do it. If my eyes are full of junk, I cannot see either. That's why the Bible says in Matthew 5.8, as Jesus is introducing the Sermon on the Mount, he gives this list of things we call the Beatitudes. And he says, here's how, how you can be happy in your life. And one of the things he says there is, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Unless your heart's pure, you can't see him in his things. That doesn't mean, by the way, pure doesn't mean perfect. Good thing he didn't say blessed are the perfect, did he? Because how many of us would be excluded from that statement? Most of us. Some of you are not so sure. Wives, let your husbands know, oh, he's especially talking about you. All right. He didn't say perfect, Because none of us are. Pure doesn't mean perfect. If God only illuminated the minds of people who are perfect, nothing would happen. Pure in heart means I'm caught up today, today, on my confession of my sin. There's nothing between God and me. God and I agree. I've gone to him and I said, God, what I did, what I said, what I thought, what I didn't do that I should have done, that was wrong. That was sinful. And we agree on that. I tell him, I understand. It was, that's what the word confession means, to agree with God. And I confess and I say, God, that was wrong. You were right. I was wrong. And I don't allow the garbage to pile up in my life. So if I'm out here in the world, and I don't have to be far out in the world, you know, we anymore, you know, it's just part of who we are these days, but we carry the world around in our pockets. And it's about this big. And some of you are holding, and it has, it gives us entryway into a lot of junk and a lot of garbage. I've had some friends that I've noticed this week, and they've posted on Facebook, they said, I've had to turn off anything, news, politics, I've just shut it down. Because it's clogging up my mind. It's make, I can't think straight about anything anymore because there's so much ugly things taking place. Our country is in a bad place right now, by the way. 
So, and they said, I've just turned it off. Why? Because all it does is when I listen to it, it gives me bad thoughts. It makes me feel really rotten about some things that I don't necessarily, and, and I, I can't focus on anything else if I'm filling my mind with garbage and trashy novels and magazines and movies and TV shows and internet porn and on and on. If I'm filling my mind with bitterness and lust and resentment and guilt and anger and jealousy, envy. I have all that stuff in my mind. I'm not going to see what the Word of God says. I've got to have a clear conscience. I must cleanse my heart of sin. And not just sin, but conflict. Luke or John, 1 John chapter 2, verse 1, John wrote and said, Whoever hates his brother, and it's not necessarily talking about your physical sibling, your brother. It's talking about those of us in the church. Whoever hates his brother is in the darkness. Wait a second. He's your brother. You're his brother. You're both Christians, but he says, I'm in darkness when I hate my brother. He walks around in the darkness. He doesn't know where he's going because the darkness has blinded him. Some of us don't know here this morning. Some of us maybe don't know where we're going because we've got unresolved conflicts in our life. And that's a place of darkness. And what that means is if I'm out of whack relationally, I'm not going to get anything out of the word. Not at all. Let me give you an example. Let's just say, and this hasn't happened recently, although in the last gathering I said, I remember the first time Gail and I had a real fight. I mean, a yelling and screaming fight. I said, do you remember that, Gail? And she goes, I don't have any recollection. It's because she's forgiven me for it. But um, it was in our first year of marriage, and we were out in Southern California, and we had been to something, a ball game or something, and for some reason, we got into a real, our first real argument. And I mean, we're driving down the road in Southern California, yelling and screaming at each other. If, and, and just imagine after we, we did, we're yelling and screaming and we get all the way home and we've been fighting the whole way and we get out of the car and I go into the apartment where we live and she goes in one room and I go into the other and I look at it and I say, man, it's Saturday night. I got to get my sermon put together. <laughs> and you're laughing because some of you think that's not true. You only work one day a week. You get up at five in the morning and do this. And, and I get a, and I go by myself after having a fight with my wife, and she's mad at me, and I'm mad at her, and then I go into the other room, and I pick up my Bible. I say, okay, God, speak to me right now. <laughs> Illuminate my mind, Lord, so that I can share with our church tomorrow the wonderful things in your word. What's going to happen is nothing. I'm just going to read print on the page. The light's not going to come on. It's turned off. Why? Because there's a relational conflict between it, in that instance, between my wife and I. I'm going to read the stories. I'm going to read the verses. It's not going to do anything. I'm not going to have the light come on. Why? Because of that relational conflict. The Bible says you can't be right with God and be wrong with others at the same time. You can't love God and hate your brother. You can't be reconciled to God and at the same time not be willing to be reconciled with others. And that's why the Bible says if you've got something wrong with a brother, you show up in church on Sunday. Jesus, this is in the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus said if you've got something wrong with a brother and you come to church and you bring an offering 
uh, and you, you need to leave your offering there and go find your brother and make it right with that person and then come back and finish your worship. Why? And because we're in a worship gathering this morning, please hear this. You cannot... You cannot worship God while you're out of whack with somebody else. You can't do it. And maybe for some of us here this morning, that's a big clue as to how, you know, I go to church and maybe it's, I don't really want to go there, but I go there and, and I just, you have no clue as to why worship seems for you perhaps such an empty exercise. So if you really want your mind open, if you really want to see the solution to your problems in life, to the barriers to the progress, to to defenses to your attackers and the fact that God is with you, you may need to, in this area of relationships, you may need to make a phone call this afternoon. You may need to write a letter. You may need to go and knock on somebody's door and say, can I talk with you for a minute? And you may need to ask for forgiveness. Or you may need to let somebody else off the hook. But you can't, you and I can't let go of that. You, you, you might say, I can't let go of that grudge. Just can't. Let me say this to you. I'm not a counselor, but let me give you a bit of counsel. If you hold a grudge, you don't hold the grudge. The grudge holds you. Did you hear that? You're not holding the grudge. The grudge is holding you. It's holding you in a self-imposed prison of pain. You need to let it go because until you do, you're blind and you can't see with spiritual eyes. All right, number five, last one. <clears throat> I commit in advance to do what God says. And what this means, this is unqualified, unconditional obedience. Before I ever even open the word today and say, today I'm going to do my devotions, today I'm going to study the word of God. Before I ever get to the place where I open it, I have already said to God, whatever it says in here, God, I'm going to do. I've committed that in advance. That's scary, isn't it? Because we don't always understand or we don't always know what is the scripture that I'm reading today. What's it going to tell me to do? God, I'm getting ready to sit down here. I want you to teach me. I want you to illuminate my heart, my mind. I need to know this week what I need to do with my kids, with my wife, with my husband, with my family, with my job. I need you to teach me. And I'm telling you in advance, I'm going to do what you want me to do, even when well, how about, Rick, when it doesn't make sense? Yeah, even when it doesn't make sense. Even when I don't understand it. Even when I don't, oh, here's, here's one. Even when I don't agree. You ever disagree with God? Yeah, me too. God, I don't, I just, I don't flat don't like that. Even when I don't agree, you young people, even when it's not popular. Even when it isn't easy. God, I'm saying yes to you even before you tell me what to do. Psalm 119, verses 33 and 34. Teach me, O Lord, to follow your decrees, and then I will keep them. And that word keep means obey them. You teach me, I'll do it. And then it goes on to say, give me understanding, and I will keep your law and obey it with all my heart. It's easier to obey something when you understand it, isn't it? Give me understanding, help me, and I'll obey it with all my heart. Whatever you show me, God, I'm going to act on it. Why? Because, and we're going to talk about this in the rest of this series some, but acting on it. We're going to study this in our groups. Acting on the Word of God is the bottom line. I can read it, I can meditate on it, I can study it, I can memorize it, but until I actually do it, 
It's done nothing in my life. God's not going to give you step two until you act on step one. So our memory verse for this week is James 1.22. All right, it's up on the screen. Let's read it, say it together a couple times, all right? James 1.22. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. James 1.22. All right, let's do it again. That's up on the screen still. Ready? James 1.22. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. All right? Take it off the screen. Oh, James 1.22. Take it off the screen. Ready to give it a whirl? James 1.22. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. James 1.22. All right. Can you memorize that this week? It's two sentences. <laughs> All right, I hope you will. Let's stand and sing. This has been a presentation of Nags Head Church. Love God, love others, reach the world.